Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club Transfer Window Kings. Extraordinaires. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Hello, hello. That was uh, that was an exciting transfer window for us, wasn't it? Four players of which they're all kind of attack minded and plenty to get stuck into this week. But yeah, a, a good a good few weeks with the with the window open. And just as well the window wasn't open or left open over here because we had a foot of snow last night and that would have been rather chilly if that had been the case. Yes, not quite um, those conditions over here in Scotland. A little bit drizzly, a little bit wet, but um, nothing like you've got over there in Connecticut. Uh, For the time being, anyway, um, we are going to talk about the transfer business that Heart of Midlothian have carried out, especially the last couple of deals that have been um, secured since we were last on air, just in the last couple of days. And we will look at the last game for Hearts, which was, of course, that victory over Dunfermline. I'm going to throw another quiz in there because apparently now it's the the done thing that has to be um, provided for Mr. Donaldson each week. And we will look ahead, of course, to Hearts' next game, which is away to Air United this Friday night. Okay, before we get into reviewing any match action it would be um, a good time to have a look at some of these transfers that Hearts have carried out and and what has been on the face of it Mark, we have to always say on the face of it because I remember just a couple of years ago maybe when we started this show or maybe after the first season we were waxing lyrical about how fantastic Hearts had been in the transfer window and it didn't quite end up how we hoped and expected so we always have to I guess caveat our excitement by saying on paper but or on the face of it but certainly on paper on the face of it it has been a good window for hearts at this point we lost a winger to injury we replaced him with another winger ideal box ticked you don't sign a striker like we've signed in the January transfer window and not try and give him service. And we were a man short, so Robbie went out and, and did what he had to do. Um, Joe Savage is, is an interesting one, our director of football, because mm. his uh, comments about our new Irish signing that he'd been looking at him for three, four years since he was at Derry uh, and Preston would likely have made a move for him if, if Joe was still down there. That's very encouraging. But I just wonder as well, with uh, some of the signings that we made, how big a part Joe had to play, because we haven't only brought him to the football club, we've brought his contact space with him as well. And I don't know, I mean, until we get him on the show, which hopefully we will um, over the next few months, then we can ask him all these questions. But we also signed a a striker who made an instant impact at, at Wraith Rovers, so that's another box ticked and I think it gives us the option to play two up top and I think we'd get even more out of Liam Boyce by doing so and we signed Gary Mackay-Steven who so far has been a quiet start for him but that's not changing my mind I think that's an excellent signing so very happy at what we've done and if we can get Stuart Finlay on a pre-contract the uh, Kilmarnock centre-back and if he can sign then that that would be fantastic (laughs) Sorry this is real time I've just been sent a tweet um, and I, just because it's it's so relevant, just as 
pretty much as he said his name. So I, I tweeted just about an hour ago um, that Mr. Robert Borthwick of The Terrace will be joining me on Hearts TV for this Friday night's game at air and I got a reply from John Smith just now saying Joe Savage strikes again great piece of recruitment there and allows you to rotate Jimmy from time to time <laughs> <laughs> very good thank you John and you'll you would have even been aware just how perfect your timing was as you sent me that tweet um <laughs> yeah it's been some good good business on paper we we spoke about Gary McKay Stephen um in depth previously and we spoke about uh, our new number nine Armong Nongdwie as well uh, after he signed and obviously made that instant impact uh, the two that we've signed kind of late on in the transfer window um, Gervani Castanier and Aaron Makanef are the ones that I suppose are on everyone's lips at the moment so a quick look at both of them and get your thoughts Mark on where they'll fit in um, firstly Gervane Castanier at 24 years of age quite tall for a winger actually Hearts mm-hmm. have listed him as 6'2 he was he was on his uh, Wikipedia page as 6'1 so he's certainly tall either way for a, a wide man Dutch born but represents the Dutch Caribbean nation of Curaçao that's that, that's the right pronunciation I believe yeah I'm previously kind of known for being preceded by the word blue um, and being a drink that um, that you had when you were uh, <laughs> when you were at school, um, and yeah, <laughs> that just uh, yeah, that that's a shudder. But do you know what the good thing about this is, Laurie? The number of ex-players that we have who always have a good word to say about yeah, the club yeah. when players get in touch. Um, we saw that with the new striker that we've signed. We saw that with Castanier. Um, who's he's mentioned Mark de Vries and a couple of other Dutch players as well. I think that's a, a big positive. The, the fact that the club is still highly thought of by ex-players mm-hmm. after they leave, most of them, not all of them, depending on, on circumstance, is a big help. We've got a lot in our favour at Heart Midlothian Football Club. Uh, the city, the location, um, the history of the club, the supporters of the club, but also the ex-players, and a lot of them are helping um, even inadvertently, if it's just a, a call or a tweet or a message, what's Hearts like? Oh, yeah, you should go there. Great club. Had a great time there. That's uh, that's a big help. Yeah, so he signed on loan from Coventry City, uh, who he joined in 2019. Uh, until then, his career had mainly been spent in his native uh, Netherlands uh, with a brief spell in Germany. Um, just two appearances this season in the English Championship, but last campaign... 16 appearances and one goal when in League One. Uh, I've, you've probably done what I've done, Mark, with, with this player. And like we do with most who haven't been in Scotland previously, we've looked at the clips. And I suppose on paper it looks like a, a sort of ideal signing, a, a direct, quick, um, attacking winger who um, will hopefully provide assists and goals. Uh, we're not going to sit here and discuss him for for 10-15 minutes because we don't know enough about him but seems a sensible signing and very low risk loan signing to the end of the season yeah, um, exactly. if it doesn't work out we're not really committed on it and you don't play for Kaiserslautern and you don't play in the Eredivisie and you don't represent the Dutch under 21 side in 2017 four times if you're no use and I've seen clips again I'm not no one's professing to be an expert Hearts have done a lot more homework on this player 
before signing him. We'll wait and see. But what I like is the fact that we could play him not in a kind of Kevin McKenna, stick him wide on the right and then shell diagonal balls to him. But if he's in that position, he's going to, I would think, have a height advantage over most left-backs that he's up against. And I think we could exploit that. Kaiser Schlautern are... Who's this? Th- Steve McLaren? <laughs> they are third, third tier, are they not, in, in German football? Just on a complete tangent. Yeah, but they're a big yeah. game. No, they are. I just, I just, just in case people are thinking he played Bundesliga or something, but no, no. They were se- they were a second tier side when when he when he joined. Okay, okay. so he played in the second tier and that's in dec- Germany. decent a, level still. A, yeah, yeah, and and Nack Breda, um, decent side as well in the in the Eredivisie where he'd already played. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw a few clips of him playing for them, and he looked quite impressive. And I know it's clips, and I saw that. Um, I saw someone comment, you know, that Stevie Malin signed for, oh God, what Turkish side did he sign? Yeah, yeah, one of them. And and someone said, um, Stevie, and they put a one minute promo clip, and someone said, Stevie Malin, the best player in the world for a one minute promo, because it was just, you know, 30 yard into the top bag, free kicks curled into the bottom corner, and um, he is a kind of highlight reel type of player, but overall... You can do that, you can do that for every player though. Yeah, yeah. I mean... (laughs) I've watched every each one of the four signings that we've made. Is it's not been too difficult to go on YouTube or see something on social media of a thirty second to a, even a, a, a post I put yesterday. Someone's done a four and a half minute piece on on McInef from from last season at, at Shamrock Rovers. Saw a bit of him in the Europa League mm, this season. Played against covering, Milan, didn't he? Yeah, covering Serie A, watching closely th- those games. And did not look out of place. I'm really, he's the one I'm most excited about. And I know we've, we've spoken about Castanier. We've spoken about Gary Mackay, Stephen. Uh, we've spoken about our big striker. Let's get into, to this kid, um, who I think could be the best of the bunch. Yes. No, it's, it's a good point. Good, um, segue to move on to 25 year old Aaron McAniff, who's a central midfielder and has been described as a box to box central midfielder, uh, born in Derry. His international allegiances are with the Republic of Ireland now, despite having represented Northern Ireland um, at youth level. So he was recently called into their squad, um, I think as recently as November, but he hasn't been capped yet. Uh, Two and a half year deal from Shamrock Rovers. Uh, Got 18 goals and 59 appearances for Shamrock. Helped them win the league title last year. And as you say, um, fairly regular in the Europa League, appearing against some big clubs, and he certainly is one who has been highlighted as a really impressive signing. You know, despite the fact he's in his mid twenties, and with all due respect to the League of Ireland, we're not going to do what maybe some of the English fans will do, won't look down on it too much. But this is a step up. However, I think you you hit the nail on the head talking about the fact that Joe Savage said he'd been tracking this guy for a couple of years now, and was set to sign him on an English Championship side. I think that says that there's definitely something there quality-wise. It's hard to watch the videos and the clips um, since he signed and, and not think of a, a Colin Cameron-type player, mm. of a, a maybe a Paul Hartley-type player. And we've got a penalty taker as well. I wouldn't advise taking a Penenka <laughs> um, like he has done. Uh, I watched an interview that he Not against Craig Gordon night. in training as well. He won't like that. No, oh, no. <laughs> Craig would become angry, Craig. But he was just talking about um, the the Panenka, and it, it, that tells it tells me a lot about a player. It tells you a player's confidence in his own ability, because 
players have got to realise is uh, about con- consequences as well. And we've spoken before about Panenka as a little chipped penalty. If the keeper stands still, and you've mentioned this in podcasts before about uh, goalkeepers just standing still and maybe saving more than they would by by diving, you look a right arse, but that's consequence. You've got to live with that. So I love his confidence. Uh, I love the fact that he is excited. It's a big step up for him. He's he's going to be a new parent. He's going to be a new dad um, in the next few months as well. So it's a it's a whole life-changing experience. He's, he's going to become a dad. He's got a new club. He'll have more money in the bank. And this will be a stepping stone for him. And I want him to use Hearts as a stepping stone. I want any player to use Hearts as a stepping stone because if they don't use Hearts as a stepping stone, it means they haven't really performed. And then it's, it's not a waste of time, but it's a kind of what might have been for certain players. But if this is a player who goes on to make Hearts money because he's done well at Hearts, it's a win-win. Hearts isn't the be-all and end-all for professional footballers. There's very few clubs in the world that is. But if you can use it as a stepping stone and we get two and a half good years out of Amor, maybe more, then, then I'm all for that. But certainly the early signs are good. I'm always wary, given the, the January transfer window and, and everything like that, about signings at this kind of stage of the season, because you wonder, well, what, what's the deal here? Well, the League of Ireland is uh, a league that is, is a decent standard as well. I mean, Shamrock, that's them twice in the group stage of the, the Europa League. Dundalk have done well um, in the Europa League as well, getting there. They played Arsenal uh, yeah. in the group I stages this year. I should say, a step up to, to Hearts as opposed to the Scottish Championship was my my kind of my point. Oh, no, sorry, it's, it's, it's definitely a step up, but this isn't your St. Pat's of two thousand. Uh, sorry, of 1988 when, no. when we played them and, and thumped them. On aggregate, they're, they're a much better side now. I mean, we got two teams in the in the Europa League through Celtic and Rangers, and and they they got one. So decent standard, decent level, but it's a league as well that that ended. They kind of go for they don't play throughout the winter months, similar to the MLS calendar over here. So yeah, I mean, we spoke last week about the new striker, whether or not we'd start him against Dunfermline. I suggested maybe on the bench, and I think the same as well for the for the two new boys. We haven't seen too much. Of the winger recently playing, and for Coventry he only had a couple of appearances this season, and McInef as well. He says he's, he's keeping himself fit, but again, I think over the next few weeks, hopefully, we'll see the best of these two players. Yeah, hopefully, um, exciting times, especially with the latter of those two signings, and hopefully, we'll see more and more of them as the season progresses. Quickly, there's been a, a few exits. Um, the last couple, Lewis Moore going out to Arbroath on loan. But Jordan Roberts to Motherwell on loan was maybe not a surprise from a point of view of Jordan Roberts leaving, but um, <laughs> stepping up, strangely enough. Um, bizarre transfer in a lot of ways, I suppose, from Motherwell's point of view, maybe. I'd, I don't know if this is a last-ditch emergency signing by Motherwell. I've not really read into their circumstances right now. But it does seem strange because we don't want to be cruel, but Jordan Roberts really has not impressed whatsoever at Hearts and has failed to, I guess, um, show much in championship games. So it does seem odd in a way that he is now stepping up to the division above, but um, stranger things have happened. Level-wise, I don't think there's much difference from, from Motherwell's level and um, and I mean, Hearts right now are at that level as far yeah, as not to us, but I mean, playing against Rangers concerned. and playing against um, Alan. Yeah, well, you, well, you know what? There's a couple of things about that. Maybe he's a player who, who how many times do you, do you see players who reserve their best form 
because they're they're up against a side that's better than them and there's there's no kind of no need to get yourself up for the game. It's easy. It's those that kind of have to generate something. But I read an article about both him and Freer. It was in the evening news by Barry talking about they're here up in Scotland on their own. Their families are are back down south. I think Elliot Freer's wife and child is is in England and and. It's tough. It's tough for everyone. It doesn't matter. How, sorry, having all the money in the world, but you can do with it. Yeah. Like no one can spend it. So, I mean, with with Freer and Roberts, you don't know, and it, you've got to hit the ground running at a football club. And this is this is without fans, so we'll never know reaction why. You know what Hearts fans are like. Um, we can be we can be brutal, and I say we because we've we've all been there. Yeah. Or, or we we could fall in love with you straight away, and then you get that extra kind of leeway when you're not performing well. Or if it doesn't happen for you straight away, it's like, well, is it ever going to happen? We've had a few of them. And it would be interesting from a homework perspective going forward for for the podcast. Um, any Hearts players, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, and I, I can't recall too many, any Hearts players that have had a really, really shocking start to the Hearts career but gone on to, to actually do really well. Because when, when we signed Paul Hartley, he kind of he started off okay, um, but yeah. he, he didn't. He, he wasn't brilliant, and he admitted that himself. Remember the the Craig Levine story. The game but after he, the game Easter Road. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he was never he was never really a, a kind of a, one of the boo boys. I wasn't I mean, a David, massive fan of his when he was no, first well, here, it, and it was, it was part. There was nothing. Yeah, there was nothing to get excited about, or not much to get excited about when he first came in. And look what happened to him. I just wonder who, over the years, Paul Hartley would certainly be someone. Just got off to an inauspicious start, but really kicked on for for whatever reason. Interesting. I'd have to have a think about it, but I'm sure there are some. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. It was an interesting point you made there, though, about the whole situation and how that affects people. Because I was listening mm. to the uh, "This Is My Story" podcast from last week, and they were talking about expectations for the season, and um, you know whether just getting promoted doesn't matter about performances and and how much and how far ahead we are as long as we get the business done and get up for and hopefully when the world is slightly more normal um we're up in the top flight and things are better and a few of the uh, a few of the guys on there were saying um basically they just they're writing off anything apart from just getting promoted because you cannot um you can't be too critical of of players in a team when they don't even get to spend any time together, they don't get to gel as a group. There are a bunch of people just a lot off. You know, if, if they're new signings, they're just sitting on their own in a flat. Possibly, they don't get yeah. to go out and they don't get to do any team building stuff. And it did make me think because you, you you know you talk about Roberts and you even think about like Gary Mackay Stephen, who is you know, obviously he's from Scotland, but you know, I don't know his circumstances. But if he's in Edinburgh, for instance, he's been in the States recently. Well I think his be- sister lives in Edinburgh because he mentioned that on the podcast with Cy Ferry. He'd spent a fair bit of time here. He's certainly got a family member in. She doesn't live out in the east of the city, does she? I I I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Do you know why? People from Connecticut, that would be a bit creepy. Why? No, because I um I drive in from from the east, obviously, into town for for work. And the morning of 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 him signing, I was behind an SUV with GMS in the um plate. And it it got me thinking of McGuire McGuire Stephen before I knew he was signing, but then I wrote it off as why would he be driving in towards the centre of town from the east out of out of the east of Edinburgh if he you know I assumed he'd flown in and be at a hotel in the centre of town or coming from the airport, 
But there you go. Maybe it was. Maybe it was him. I don't know. Wow. That really didn't serve much purpose, me telling you that, did it? But It didn't. Um, I thought... I thought it was an episode of Phone Jacker for a spell there. Yeah. An <laughs> HD JVC <laughs> TV GMS and an SUV uh, yes. moved. Anyway, anyway, my point was that it did get me thinking that... And, and Lee McCulloch, when he was on last week... Um, Maybe he's got LMC on his <laughs> SUV. I, I've, heard, I've, I've heard actually there's a um, their private plates in their family, yeah. But anyway... I, I, no, but let, let's... Let's quickly continue that. Do you know what they call private plates over here? <laughs> this oh, made me giggle. You've told me this before, but go on. They're called vanity plates. Yeah, I remember you saying that because you've got one, don't you? <laughs> I, I, I have a little nod to uh, to a certain day in May in 2012 with the initials of my favourite football team and 5-1 after that. So I always take great delight I have and, a five-one uh, in my number plate as well, so I have well, a vanity is, plate too. <laughs> yeah, but but they, do you know they cost ninety-two dollars over here? If it's available, it costs you ninety-two dollars because you can have that plate. Fifty people can have that plate, but only one per state. Once you've got it for the state, I'm in Connecticut. No one else can have it in this state. But if I was moving to Rhode Island or Massachusetts or New Jersey or New York, the four states that border or nearly border Connecticut, um, I could I could get a, a number plate for there for 92 bucks. Because you can spend literally hundreds of thousands. In fact, you, people have spent millions on certain plates in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, which is mental. But um, 92 bucks over here. Uh, but the point was, trying to get back from the tangent that I inadvertently started. You started this one. Um, that, and, and McCulloch said it last time. He said that you know he feels they're working with their hands tied behind their back to a degree because he can't get to know the players they can't get them i guess you know he kind of made the suggestion that they can't really get get to know them properly as people yes. get that side of it. and i can imagine that's the same as a team so if you had a group of players who were all together from before covid it might be slightly easier because maybe they're all well acquainted and they know each other whereas now you know if hearts have got quite a new team a lot of these players are, are new to the side um there isn't really a chance to build any camaraderie or or understanding, not even just off the pitch, but I suppose on it to a degree because they're training in their clusters. It's not the full training that you'd expect. So, what's the deal on a match day, Laurie? Because I've heard managers say when they go away from home, um, some of them have to be, or ideally they would like to be in, and they would like them to be in separate um, changing rooms. Whereas that's not always possible. If if Robbie Nielsen prior to a game, wants to address his team. Can he do so at once with everyone in the dressing room at Tynecastle, or does he have to split the squad? I know they have to do that for training, I believe, at at Orium, but what's the deal on a match day? I don't know, is the honest truth. I could try and... um... I could try and stumble through an answer and pretend I knew something, but I, I genuinely do not know. I've not actually you asked have asked her. Lee last week. Yeah, I, it's a good it's a good question. I genuinely do not know. Um, so it's maybe something we can check before next time because I don't have I don't have an answer. But yeah, it's just interesting um, because obviously it's something that affects the team, and maybe it should affect our expectations of just how well a team can become a team uh, in these current situations. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Uh, but anyway, that's a that's a good time to go on to the match action, I suppose, and see how the team did get on. 
Now Dunfermline trying to come forward on the counter. Returned by Popescu. White battling for it. Balls up in the air. Headed away by Mayo. Bit untidy out there just now as we enter the final 10 minutes. Michael Smith. Oh, lovely oh, touch lovely. by Jamie Walker into the area. Target. Tight angle. Target. Low Punish. shot. Great goal. That is wonderful from Jamie Walker. Off the bench. Sensational bit of skill to get away from the Dunfermline man. And a low drive. Pinpoint accuracy into the bottom left corner. I think it kisses off the left post and in. Sublime from Walker. And hearts ahead. Heart to Midlothian 1. Dunfermline nil. Well, he has absolutely no right to score a goal from that angle. Absolutely no right. That is just real quality and ability. He's got his back to goal. Dunfermline are thinking we've got this defended. There's people behind him on goal side. What can you do? It's just unbelievable trickery. A magnificent feat for Jamie Walker. And that is a lovely drill in the far corner. Excellent stuff from Walker. Jamie Walker in his 222nd Hearts appearance gets his 49th goal, his fifth of the season. And that was a lovely bit of skill, spinning on the ball, dragging it away from the defender. So following the 4-0 victory over Wraith Rovers last midweek, Hearts hosted Dunfermline at Tynecastle at the weekend. And after a defeat to Wraith Rovers in their previous Tynecastle game, which ended a very long, undefeated run against a five-side, Hearts hosted a team that they hadn't lost a regular game against um, at Tynecastle since a game in February 1990 in the Premier Division. Wow, is that, is that when it was? When... That was, that, that was sorry, that was the days. Oh, maybe just a little bit later, I think late 80s, there was a song that the Infermalin fans used to sing because there were five Smiths on the pitch. It's Smith to Smith to Smith to Smith and he beat Smith to score because Henry was in goal and it was Trevor it was Bobby and it was Mark. It wasn't Andy because Andy wasn't there at the time and come back to me for that. So 1990. <laughs> We've spoken wow. about the Dunfermline Smiths before. Wow. Um, yeah, George O'Boyle and Ross Jack scored in a 2 0 win against a heart side that contained Craig Levine, John Cahoon, John Robertson, Jimmy Sanderson, um, and the Pars side contained legend Nori McCarthy, among others. Mm. Uh, they have earned a bonus point in the Betfred Cup group stages since then, obviously just a few years ago, but that does not count, obviously, as a victory. Um, but, of course, Dufferin won 2-1 in November at East End Park, which was Hart's first defeat of the season. So there was an element of, um, I suppose, revenge on the cards from a Hart's perspective, what they were looking for. And uh, a team that they wouldn't have been taken lightly, given they are one of the better sides in the championship. Uh, two changes to the side that won 4-0 against Wraith. Josh Ginelli, an enforced change, of course, now unfortunately out for the season. And Jamie Walker also out. And in came Ewan Henderson and skipper Stephen Naismith. So Hearts had Craig Gordon in goals. Smith right, Kingsley left. Popescu and Halka in the centre again, with Popescu sticking to the right side of that central defensive pairing. Halliday and Irving deep. Henderson, Naismith and Gannon McKay-Steven, the attacking three with Liam Boyce in the centre. Now, we, well, funny, we spoke about Hart starting games poorly and how poorly we started against Ray Throvers and how good it was that we started much better at Starks Park. So uh, we spoke about it in the build-up on Hearts TV. You know, you know, we need to start stronger. We need to have our head in the game right from the off. That's what we're hoping for. Bloody, 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 bloody. 20 seconds in, Hearts are almost 1-0 <laughs> down. 
20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least we got our quick start at Wraith, whose assistant manager was the fourth Smith, Paul. Are you still thinking about against that? Dunfermline. No, because I, I can't leave something just unfinished. Hanging, hanging in, indeed. The one bit of team news that surprised me was Naismith instead of Walker. Yeah, although Robbie did explain afterwards that Walker had a bit of a tight groin. Yeah, which is so, fine. So, yeah. Which is fine. Um, but yeah, slow start. And I know Hearts fans have been looking at the game and, and kind of having their own thoughts. It wasn't a brilliant performance. It was okay. Got the job done. It was the result that was the main thing. But all the, the focus, understandably so, was about Hearts. Dunfermline is a good side. Now, their, their form of late hasn't been that good. But on their day, they're a good side. And now, I think they'll be ahead of Dundee at the end of the season. And, and I think that might be enough for, for second. I know Wraith might have something to say about it. But Wraith and Dunfermline are they're all right. Uh, they've got some decent players. And Kyle Turner, um, who we've spoken about before, he wasn't playing. So Stephen no. Whitaker kind of went into that, that role. I know we've spoken about him for Hearts, I don't think that will happen um, going forward. But he's certainly a good player. But he was missing. Dom Thomas but, was out as well, who scored and he's set up more goals than anyone in that Dunfermline team. And I remember the first game of the season. I remember previewing that game, and you were talking about their set pieces, how one went to the other. Um, Don Thomas, Dom Thomas was involved, and and we got we got done by that. So we got the result, but we needed a really good goal. And a really, really top save to get all three points. But it's funny, if, if Craig lets that one in, which most goalkeepers would have done, if Jamie doesn't provide that spark, which I don't think Naismith would have provided if it had been him in that position, and they'd beaten us, we're on 30 points, they're on 24. Again, it's not a post-mortem of the, the Wraith game, but there'll be a lot more unhappy people out there. So it's one of those, no one will remember that game come the end of the season with the exception of Jamie's goal and, and Craig's save but that's it's a combination of things as you go along about winning titles Hearts will win this league probably by by double digits if we're uh, if we're consistent going forward but we've got two away games coming up uh, against Ayr and Queen of the South and we can't be six out of tens we've, we've got to be better and I thought we were I thought we were six and a half out of 10 as a, a collective um, score at the weekend. Individuals were better and individuals were worse. But clean sheet, back-to-back clean sheets, and that is a big thing. Yeah, I mean, the first half, obviously, I mentioned um, McManus, it was, who had the shot after Turner kind of waltzed through the Hearts defence. It was off the line by Smith, who was very alert to be back there so early in the game to clear off the line. I think that has to be a bit of credit given to the fullback for that. Um, Popescu with the best chance in the first half from uh, from a Hearts perspective. His header was saved from a corner. Um, but the big moment, the, the big chance. I mean, Dunfermline will feel unfortunate they they didn't go in one nil up at the break. I mean, um, Fraser Murray does really well to get a cross in from the left, the unknown Hibs man. And when it is about to land at Ryan Dow, who's what four or five yards out, I'm almost turning away just because. I know the net's going to ripple. And although you can say Ryan Dow probably should head it further away from Craig Gordon or maybe head it down the way, it's a phenomenal save. I mean, the um, 
the reflexes from from that range. You just you're assuming it's going in, and that is why we have Craig Gordon, and that is why he's so valuable. He's turned into a geek as well, a stat geek. So I got a message. Was that my six hundredth game? I said, well, in, just in total, what are we talking here? And he goes, no, just my, in, in my career. So obviously I got in touch with Hearts Heritage and saw the tweet from Hearts Stats as well, two very good Twitter accounts. And we went through his time at Cowden Beath. We went through his time at Sunderland, Celtic and at Hearts. And, and it transpires it was. And that includes Scotland caps as well. But I told him about the 500, uh, sorry, 5,000 days between him last captaining Hearts and then captaining Hearts at, at, at Wraith. Again, that's thanks to, to Hearts Heritage. So his, his next one is 200 appearances for Hearts, in which he's six away from. He keeps tabs of all this. He, he's, he's on London Hearts all the time. And I love the fact that he, he, he takes pride in that because he's like, right, what's my next milestone? I'm like, well, you've done the 5,000 between captaincies. I suppose it's 200 appearances for Hearts. He's like, good, fine, I'll work on that one. But he's desperate. He is desperate to do the 100 consecutive games for Hearts because the East Fife Cup tie put him back to zero, I think. Remember, he was away with Scotland. Yeah. So he's back. To, he was back to zero. That reset after that. But that's his. That's his his tally. Um, but he is desperate to uh, just to make create because what he wants to do, he wants to create as many records as he can with Hearts that will stay for as long as possible. That five thousand, no one's beaten that. No, between, between captaincies, no. no, no chance, no chance. So, um, and. Scotland caps won while playing for Hearts is what he wants. That's another thing he wants to get up yeah, that board. We pushed, I love the fact hard pushed, but like yeah. That. But I like, I like, I like that he does that. It's funny in terms of the save, because um, obviously he likes his accolades. Uh, Jimmy brought this up in um, commentary afterwards. It was the Zat Knight um, Bolton chance against yes, Sunderland. Save of the season. Twenty ten. Well, it was voted the best in Premier League history in twenty twelve. Wow. I mean, obviously, there's been Premier League games after then, so I don't know if it was just obviously must be up until that point. Um, but that was incredible. I mean, that was from what it was like. I feel like it was from like three or four yards out, and even closer. And he somehow dives across and tips it over. Um, I'll post a, I'll post a clip of it on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter page after we've come off air because if you've not seen it, it's well worth it. it was absolutely incredible save. Yeah, while we're talking about Craig Gordon, um, I want to to give you a quiz question. I know we have a quiz later on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you two games that okay. happened in December nine. Uh, sorry, 2018. December 2018. Okay. Okay, they happened between um, Christmas and New Year. One of them is going to be the four 0 defeat at, for Celtic at Tynecastle for whatever reason. No, no, no. The Hamilton game that was um, two nil um, that we won. Boxing and Day. Also, yeah. yeah, so you remember that one? Yeah, I think Naismith and June maybe scored. Okay. Uh, or am I wrong? Or maybe Hamilton I'm wrong. Boxing Day. Very good. Okay. So the the game just after that. Just after that, Motherwell maybe one nil. So this was December 2018, and it was away to Hibs. Oh, okay. Motherwell was maybe after that then. Away to Hibs. Why, Ollie Lee. Why am I? 
yeah, why am I mentioning those two? Bearing in mind I'm bringing up, this is to do, and it isn't a, a tenuous link like we normally Ooh. have. Why am I bringing up those two games? Hamilton, Hamilton at home and Hibs away in December 2018 while oh. talking about... Are you going to tell me Gordon. that's the last time a goalkeeper had two consecutive clean sheets for us? That was the last time a Hearts goalkeeper kept two consecutive Jesus. clean sheets in the league. And crying out loud. That is scary. That is. I mean, I when mean you, we've, yeah. we've had League Cup um, consecutive clean sheets at the start of, of the season, I think. But in the league, and that was the Premier League. And it was. Do you remember who the goalkeeper was? Uh, because the Hibs game would have been Doyle, I'm going to assume it was Doyle because he made a, he yeah. made a good save at the um, from Whitaker actually at Easter Road. Mm, he did. Colin Doyle was the last Hearts goalkeeper prior to Craig Gordon to keep consecutive clean sheets in That's league crazy. games. That's nuts. That is is. And we're you not tell you like... how much can you? We've got we've got a goalkeeper that's always on for for more stats. We've got two commentators here. I would say we're great on a night out, but neither of us has been on a night out for about a year. <laughs> Indeed. And we're not that good. Well, you might be good company on a night out, but I'm pretty dull. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're fine. Um, so, where were stats, we? Stats-driven night out. Okay, so half-time, it was 0-0. Um, Hearts. Oh, yeah. Well, not the best first half. I mean, the second half opened up a bit more. Michael Smith dragged a shot wide. Um, McManus had another couple of chances, actually. And... Uh, uh, Nongdwee, he's one of these names where I know how to say it now, but I always forget just before I say his name. Um, he had a header which was well saved, uh, and then Jamie Walker came on. And it's interesting, Robbie Nielsen did say his plan had been because Jamie Walker had a bit of a tight groin, he didn't want to risk him from the start, but his plan was to put him on for Naismith with 15-20 minutes to go, when maybe the spaces would open up and Dunfermline were tiring. And it worked perfectly. I mean, you know, we've we've criticised Walker at times, but sometimes the reason for the criticism is because we know he can do just that. Because that goal was sublime. That's the difference between what players like that can do, especially in uh, in these matches at this level. Yes, and with the signing of Makinev, I now wonder, given what you've said about Jamie and recently. It's been much better. I now wonder if Stephen Naismith is just a squad player at Hearts. Now, there was some speculation linking Stephen Naismith with player coach slash player manager role at Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. He's not their first choice. He, from what I'm led to believe, has been mentioned at Rugby Park as a possibility. But Tommy Wright and Stephen Robinson um, or certainly those. I mean, just before we came on air today, uh, I was listening to Craig Levine last night in the Sports Sound podcast, and he was asked if he fancied it. He says he wouldn't mind getting back into management as well. So it would be a gamble. But the other thing is as well, I think that opportunity is now gone for Stephen Naismith to be player boss because you would have to sign him within the transfer window. I believe, yeah. and that transfer window is now shut. Yeah. So unless the only way that that would be allowed to happen is if Hearts let him go for free and he became a free agent. Hearts aren't going to do that. Hearts want to keep him. I just thought it was interesting that 
that after, especially after Lee McCulloch last week talking, funnily enough, exactly about Stephen Naismith uh, and his future, and he reckons he'd be an excellent coach. Doesn't know if he'd want to be a manager. Um, so the Kelly link was was of interest, but I think now Stephen is a player who been pretty good for half an hour, last half hour, from the odd start or whatever. But I don't see if Jamie Walker can keep up some decent form. McInef should be a first pick. You don't sign a player like that to just be a squad player. Where does that leave Stephen Naismith if he doesn't play out wide? Well, that's the problem because, and we spoke about it at the weekend via via WhatsApp, and I spoke about it with others as well. You know, the problem in that, like a game on Saturday where it's quite tight, and you know, Dunfermline. They haven't been scoring and creating as much as they would like, but they're very solid and they're very well organised and they don't lose many games. That was their first away defeat of the season. They draw too many yeah. from their perspective. Yeah. But Stephen Naismith has kept dropping deep and slowing things down and it was mm-hmm. exactly what we didn't need and it just kind of fell ex- into the a trap, if you will, of exactly what worked for Dunfermline. Hearts are going to get, you know, if, if Hearts end up in the middle of the park with Stephen Naismith you know, dropping in when we've already got Halliday and Irving there, then suddenly you've got very little support for Boyce. Um, it obviously changed a little bit when Nong Dwee came on. Not that he did a whole lot in particular, but even just his presence with more players up the park, I think, helped as well. But in the first half, when you have, you know, the sitters, because Irving sits and plays a sort of deep playmaker role, and Halliday sits in more of a ball-winning midfielder role, but... We don't need Nace. Why we don't need Naismith dropping back there? Maybe in a a game against a, you know a Celtic or or Hibs potentially when it's more defending to be done. But in that game, it just didn't make any sense, and it just left uh, so isolated in the top half of the field. So I really don't know where he fits in. I think he certainly he's had games where he's influenced them, and I thought like against Hibs when he came on in the semi final, and against Celtic in the end as well. So in these big games. In a match where it's maybe more of a battle, when it's 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 a lot more mentality side to it, and maybe dropping deep isn't a bad thing because the other team might have players getting forward. But in the majority of the championship games, that's not what we need. We're going to have we're going to have most of the ball. We need to be forward thinking. We need to have a little bit of pace, a little bit of penetration. And from what I've seen this season, he just doesn't offer that. I agree, because I think one of our issues this season has been, oh, well, I think there are two things to point out. One, I think at times we can be too predictable, and two, mm-hmm. we can be sluggish. Yeah. And I, I think this is a perfect storm. And Lee's comments last week, Lee McCulloch's comments about Stephen Naismith when uh, speaking about what do you think the future holds for him, and he said, well, he's pretty much a coach right now in, in, in everything but name. And I think he's a really, really good help for the youngsters at the football club, Stephen Naismith. Um, but you saw Uche when he was at the football club, he just couldn't be bothered with the, the constant moaning. Now, he's, he's doing that because he wants to make people better. And you'll take that from someone if you think you're getting everything from them. But if you're not getting the performance you think that person is capable of, and they're still shouting at others, you're like, well, hold on a minute here. And some players just don't like to be told what, what to do. That's, <laughs> that's human nature. But when you've got such a dynamic and powerful presence in a, in a football club, and a shouty um, presence on the park, then they're the kind of dominant part. Yeah. And, and when they say do this, do that, and then they're still slowing things down because 
at times, I mean, in the semi-final, uh, sorry, was it the semi-final? He came on against Hibs yeah, after Jamie was, Walker went off. He and Haring came on, I think. Um, I thought, that, I thought that changed the game. Yeah, in our in our favour. So there's definitely a place for him. There's still games he, he could start, but I think you'd have to look at if he's starting. Not in the number 10 role, because the number 10 role is easy enough just to come deeper and slow, slow things down at times. We have to play with a zest, with a, an effervescence to get around teams who are going to sit in. And that just slows things down. It allows the opposition to get everyone behind the ball. So if you were to play him as a striker, then kind of with, with the caveat, look, this is your role today. I don't want to see you in the middle of the park. I don't want to see you coming back. That's the job of others. Their job is to supply you. I think from a start, he could certainly easily still be a striker. If we go a 4-4-2, I wouldn't want to see him as a lone striker because I think he's good at, at, at build-up play um, and link play. So I'm not fussed for him as a lone striker. But I, I think maybe going forward with the signing of McInef, if Naismith starts games, maybe he starts them more advanced. So it, it takes him longer to get further back. And at times, slow down play. It'd be interesting to get his thoughts on things. He'll probably deny that. But I think the proof of the pudding is what we watch on Hearts TV every week. Yeah, I mean, one of, I completely agree with what you're saying. Now, one of the challenges, you know, we're talking about Stephen Naismith. You know, it doesn't look like he's more than a squad player. We're currently in the championship. We're hoping that by next season we'll be back in the premiership. And that is certainly, you know, touch wood as things are going, looks to be likely. Stephen Naismith isn't out of contract at the end of the season. He's out of contract at the end of next season. He's tied to us until 2023, when he'll be almost 37. So, where does that leave Stephen Naismith? Because we've committed to that contract. You know, we've mm-hmm. and he'll, he'll be on a decent wage relatively. And that's the only way he was going to sign. It was, he yeah. That, that Which, length of deal. Um, so, so, where does that leave him? Because Stephen Naismith is, you know, he's like Craig Gordon when he was at Celtic. Stephen Naismith is not going to be the type who's going to say, yeah, fair enough, pay me my wage and I'll sit and I'll kick about the reserves and I'll come on as a sub every few weeks. He won't want that. No, no. Would I change the structure of the deal with hindsight if it meant not getting him? Do you remember our first podcast and we were t- 2018 we're top of the league we're preparing for a league cup semi against Celtic at Murrayfield he was he was hearts Stephen yeah. Naismith he, he was so vital you couldn't imagine that hearts team that success was due to him and others but but big credit was due to him and to get him on a permanent deal if that was the only way you know what I probably would have done the same and has it worked the way we would have liked at times it has, at times it hasn't. But we have ourselves a player now who's, who's under contract, as you mentioned, for more than more than two years. I think you find a way. I mean, he's still one of the fittest guys there. He'll still help. But I think he realizes that. What did you say, thirty-six or thirty-seven? By the he'll time be, that he'll be thirty-six, up? but he'll only be a few months away from thirty-seven. Yeah. So I mean, there's, this no, is... there's no way. There's no. There's no way he was going to think that come the end of that contract, he's probably still going to be a first-team regular. Yeah. But. He just—he was taking a wage cut from what he was on to, oh, to what massive, he ended, yeah. up, ended up getting. He wanted to maximise things, and if that was the only way we were getting him, I would have done that deal. I mean, 
Maybe, but I mean, this is, when you look back at it, so it was August 2019 when we sealed the deal. So he was at Hearts already on loan. He'd been at Hearts anyway on loan. Um, hadn't played for about half a year. Um, so he'd been, I think, on his second second knee operation in five months. Hadn't played since February. He was 32 at the time. Um, and we gave that 32-year-old who was turning 33 that year, a four-year deal. It's the only way we're going to get him. I know, all I know. Credit, all credit to him and his, his his team, his agent, his negotiator or whoever, for getting that because he wants he, he wants longevity. He's never going to sign a one- or a two-year deal oh, with, I've, with anybody oh, don't unless, get me, he was getting, yeah. unless he was getting paid what he was. And oh, of course. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, there, I get that. Yeah, get there, that. There, there wasn't the interest in that. Um the interesting question would be, I, I say I would have done that deal. I would have, I, I, in, in an ideal world, it would have been a three plus one in that you get the fourth year if you meet certain criteria. But if he turned it down, like, we're all experts with hindsight, aren't we? I, I, I know. I can't remember what we said at the time. <laughs> I need yeah, to listen well, back. Of course. We're all hypocritical as well. I love Stephen Nation with the football club, um, and, and I've really enjoyed him being at the football club. But I think we now just have to kind of temper our expectations going forward that yeah. we, we we have the new young um, guy who's come in, in in a similar position to which Stephen has been playing of late, and he is the one who, if he does well and, and hits the ground running, Aaron McInef, that we can hang our hats on and that doesn't necessarily mean that Stephen Naismith can't help him because what a, what a guy to have on the training pitch, especially for the youngsters. I mean, yes. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying... I, I, I've I've spoken very highly of Stephen Naismith many times. I've got a lot of respect for him. It's just when you look at... I just read the news story and when you think back to the fact, you know, giving someone who's, who's not played for such a long time and who's had a couple of knee operations and is pushing 33, a four-year deal... It's hard not to look at it and think eh, it, it doesn't look the wisest piece of business long term. But yeah, we don't know. We don't know how it's structured or we anything don't, like we that. We don't. We don't. I'm just playing devil's advocate, okay? Fair. Totally, totally get that. Totally get that. But who knows? I mean, he he might go on a, a run of form, and he might. Yeah. But we've seen what he's capable of doing that cup semi final, and and he. I've seen too many teams doing what I do with the commentating. I've seen too many teams that are soft. Now I wouldn't say we were soft, uh, but I've seen. I've, and and he, I'm not saying he's your hard man, but I've seen teams that are soft because standards are allowed to slip. The problem that we have with Stephen at times is that maybe his standards are still what he used to be capable of. And he holds others to those same standards. I don't know. He'd make a fascinating guest. He really would. Oh, yeah. We'll, may- we'll maybe try and set that up at some point. Um, anyway, it, the winner, of course, as we spoke about, came from Walker. Fantastic goal. I don't know if you saw the um, the clip on the Hearts Twitter page just today, uh, Tuesday at the time of posting. It was really difficult not to see his voice's goal from one angle. Um and if you you have to actually kind of slow it down frame by frame. I did that. I did that today. I took I took um, screenshots as well. Yeah. Have you seen? There's one of the frames doesn't make yes. sense. I, I, exactly. It's like the ball goes through his foot. Yeah. I, I've I've got. It's funny because I didn't actually send them to you, did I? 
I was just sending. I was sending these to someone else. I've screenshotted, and there's one. There's three frames where one of them, it's about to get to Boyce's foot, and Boyce is stretching. And the next frame, there is no ball, and Boyce's foot is where you'd expect it to get to. And the next frame is the ball coming off the post. But the ball yeah. can't be blocked by the post because you can see the trajectory of the ball isn't heading. It doesn't make sense. There's a mystery no. frame. It's not quite Abraham's a pruder and his his um, JFK home video, but there is one angle you're like, hey, yeah, makes sense. Doesn't make sense. Anyway, have a look on the Hearts Twitter page for the video and you'll see what we mean. But yes, Hearts won, of course, and extended their lead at the top to twelve points at the time. And most importantly, it gives me a nice way to move on to our next section because Jimmy Walker is now one goal away from. A half century of goals for Hart and Midlothian Football Club. And our next section, which we are entering now, is this week's quiz, um, which is based on it's the half century quiz. Okay, so this is based on players scoring their fiftieth goal which is what Jamie Walker will do when he next find, finds the net, which will hopefully be on Friday night against Air United. So what I'm going to do, Mark, is I'm going to give you... I've got five players, and it's five 50th goals. So I'm going to give you the the match and um, the goal and a little bit about the player, and you've got to tell me who the player is. Okay. Based on the 50th goal. Okay? So I think I've ordered these... In order of easiest first, okay? But then it's very hard for me to think of it because they seem easy initially, but that's because I looked at the player first and then found the goal. So um, we'll see how you get on. Okay, so number one. Scored 50th goal in a 3-3 draw with Dundee Tynecastle in February 1985 in the Premier Division. He was 20 at the time. Making... John Colquhoun. Nope. He was making his 102nd appearance in 1985. Robbo? Yes. No, Robbo. Was it? Yeah. He was only 20. Oh, because Robbo was a little bit older, wasn't he, than, than a couple of the others. Okay, All right, good. So, John Robertson is the first one. Uh, number two, scored his 50th goal, also against Dundee, also at Tynecastle in a 3-1 win in the SPL in 2000. It was his 160th appearance and he was 28 at the time. I've got a couple Colin Cameron. Of, yes, I've got a couple other things, but I thought you'd get it before then. He was captain. Okay. Um, he scored one from open play and one from the penalty spot in that 3-1 victory. Okay, number three. Scored... Like this. Yeah, I thought these would be more quick fire like that. Um, yeah. Scored his 50th goal against Hibs at Easter Road in 1991. It was a. Don't go f- nope. It was <laughs> you just went. It was a 4-1 Hearts win on the 2nd of January in the Premier Division. It was his 376th appearance, and he was 26 at the time. What He's- was the year again? 1991. Gary? Yes, Gary Mackay. 
Gary Mackay, who also in that game, for a bonus point, which doesn't exist because it's not a points game, but can you tell me something else about that game? The 4-1 game at Easter Road. He scored the third goal of the game for Hearts. He scored an own goal. He did. Yes, he scored the third goal of the game for Hearts. He then scored an own goal before Craig Levine made it 4-1, which was the final score. I, I remember chatting to Gary when we were doing the book about that game. And funnily enough, he wanted to talk more about scoring at the right end than scoring at the wrong end. <laughs> well, you so you would hope. <laughs> I didn't um, stop me. I was like, what's, what's, going, what's going through your head? I mean, yeah, he was, he was one off a hat-trick at Easter Road. Okay, next one. One was in the wrong end. Yep. Next one. Scored his 50th goal against Celtic at Tynecastle in February 1989. A 2-0 Hearts win in the Scottish Cup fourth round. It was his 186th appearance. He was 25 at the time. He scored the second goal of the game. John Cohen? Yes, (laughs) finally. (laughs) Third time lucky. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Eamon Bannon opened the scoring and John Cohen scored the second 2-0 win against Celtic. Tynecastle. Okay. One of my, one of my, sorry, one of my favourite cup wins over Celtic at Tynecastle was Robbo's free kick in extra time. Yeah, Coca-Cola Cup. No. Was it? No, a Scottish Cup, I think. Oh, sorry, you said a free kick. No, that was the extra time. Yeah. The extra, sorry, it was open, open play, the extra time goal. Yeah, the free kick, the free kick round the wall. I should mention with John Cahoon, um I spoke about this not in the last show, but the previous one. We've started uh, uh, a scheme with a scheme. Uh, We've started these sessions with Big Hearts recently, which um, are basically open chats for for Hearts fans to join and have a chat away with us. Yeah, heard good things about them. um, Yeah, they've been really good fun. So we did a couple last week. I did one with um, Daniel McIver and Adam Kennedy, who do the Perth to Paisley podcast. So it's just basically a Zoom call and... Um, anyone can join and we have a chat and a laugh uh, and on Friday um, Rob Borthwick who's obviously a view from the terrace and Liam who does This Is My Story were joined and John Cahoon came on with them um, yeah. and they got a few Hearts fans on and they had a chat and you know John Cahoon was so up for doing it to the point where he was up for doing the, the one with us before that as well and he put himself forward for these things which I thought was great um, you know just keen to get involved and it's a little thing you know it's not it's not a professional therapy session, but we thought these sessions would be good for anyone who maybe just misses the football banter that you get at the pub yep. or at the football. Great idea. Um, but so much time for, for ex-players like that who just are so willing to, oh, to give their time. Because you know what? Even for even though he was before my time, I, I never really watched John Coon playing for Hearts. But even then, you know, an ex-player like that, it's something extra to be able to speak to them because they've got so much in the way of great stories and so many experiences that none of us ever had. Um, so just a big shout out to John Cahoon. Yeah, which is great. And he's raising money right now, I think, for tiny changes yeah, by, um, yeah. by giving away some of his stuff in return for donations. The other thing I want to mention about it, and I think it's, uh, I don't think it can be mentioned enough. Obviously, there are um, some unfortunate men and women who struggle with Alzheimer's and the Sporting Memories um, Network. Hearts certainly do it. It's just a group of volunteers that, that sit down and have, have some people in at Tyne Castle. And it's amazing what just triggering the mind can do. Yeah. I, I'm not an expert and I don't profess to be. 
about that. And I hope that, that thankfully, none of my family so far um, have been affected by Alzheimer's. But I know people who who have family members and for for them um, to see the, the smile on faces of of parents or grandparents who get to remember things and something just happens and triggers the mind yeah. about remembering things when they were younger, whether it's hearts or being at a game or going to a game with their parents. And that's another thing. So for those volunteers that, that sit down with, um, with the fans with uh, Alzheimer's or uh, dementia or anything else like that, I think that's, there's so many good things that, that happen that go not, without a mention but i think it's important that yeah. what you guys are doing um for those that are maybe struggling uh with mental health right now um and, and just those that need a chat some of us we're all kind of lonely at times because we spoke about that earlier with some of the players that hearts have um <laughs> i'm not just going to go around and to a new signings house if i'm a fellow new signing you can't no. right now so you don't know what happens behind closed doors. So for all the volunteers and everyone that's involved in these charities and, and taking the time, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, I mean, go to the Big Hearts website, bighearts.org.uk, or follow Big Hearts on Twitter, at Big Hearts, and you get all the info and all the great programs they do. Craig Wilson and his team of volunteers, they do some super stuff. So, yeah, all credit to them. Um, so back to, I do have one more player who I've got a 50th goal for you to see if you can get the player from. So this is a 50th goal that came, this is a very different era, against Third Lanark in a Scottish Cup quarter-final at Tynecastle. It was the player's 120th appearance, and he was 24 at the time. Jimmy Warthog? Nope. Um, you're, You're far too... Um, modern, this is a lot older, um, scored the second goal in a Hearts 2-1 win. I should probably tell you, the year was 1903. 1903. Was it Bobby Walker? It was, yes. yes. The man himself, Bobby Walker, his 50th goal. So, Scottish Cup game at Tynecastle. Yeah, there you go. Do you, know what I lo- do you know why I love that? Because none of it is recent. And it's, it's weird because I, I noticed that Panini's brought out a Scotland sticker album. I used to, I started collecting Panini stickers in 1985 when I was at school. And I don't know which part of my brain um, it is. The frontal lobe or whatever. I have no idea. But I, I can remember so, just weird stuff. Stuff that happened in the 80s. Stuff that happened in the 90s. Games that I went to. I used to keep a little diary. There used to be a, I used to get this from a Christmas every year. Uh, I got an autograph book. And I, I still got them. I must have Wallace Mercer's autograph over a hundred times. And it's weird how his son's now one of my best pals, um, Ian. Um, but as well as that, I always got this little thing. There's a little, I'm kind of drawing it out here in front of me. And again, there's no one in the room. It was a little black kind of leatherette, um, book, a bit like an autograph book, but I had to kind of date the game you were at. And then you got to fill in the goal scores. And I used to keep cuttings. From used to, I told you I'm an absolute geek, but it just when you when you have memories like that and you're replaying them or going back over them after you've been at a game, for some reason things got stored in the mind. So for the Colin Cameron and the Gary McKay and the John Robertson and the John Colquhoun, I mean, I kind of know that they've all scored more than 50 goals because it's it's of that era. 
that I remember. Likewise, I'd hope to be kids that are a lot younger than me who will be able to remember everything that's kind of happened since, I don't know, 2010 or, or whatever. Um, I think it's only fair, given how, how first of all, how patient you've been with your your uh, contestant in the quiz recently. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. I think it's only fair that I give you a quiz one of these weeks. To yes, see yes. What, I've got Feel no free. problem doing that. I think it's uh, plus the other thing that would be fair, given how lenient you've been with with me, and and uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it cheating. I'd, I'd call it something else. Yeah. But certainly not. I wasn't cheating today. And I, I did all right. I believe that. you. I believe you as well. What would be if this was mastermind? What would be your chosen specialized subject if I was to do a hearts quiz with you? Oh, um. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I quite like going a bit... The life and times of Julien Brellier. <sighs> yeah, I mean, given he never scored, I mean, your, your trivia will be quite pushy bees. Yellow cards, you get probably get a bit of trivia out of that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's too easy to go the years I've been commentating because I obviously have to be sober at all these games. Um, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> but you wish at times you weren't sober. Oh, indeed. Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that. But um, w- one thing you mentioned, you know, you said these are all quite old. If Jamie Walker does hit 50, which we hope he does, because he only needs one more now, um, he will be the first player to hit 50 for Hearts since Colin Cameron. So it's okay. been a while. Been Rudy a while. came close, didn't he? Rudy just 48, fell short, yeah. I believe. So that that goal took okay. that goal for Walker at the weekend took him ahead of Rudy. Um, but yeah, we've not had uh, we've not really had strikers who've been prolific enough and stayed long enough to to get players to that point and we've not had players who've i guess stayed long enough to, to get there generally if they're in other positions apart from jimmy walker in his second spell so it makes sense that we've not had all that many but there you go the end of this quiz um hope you enjoyed that one we'll maybe have another one next week okay before we go a very quick look ahead to friday night's game a way to Air United for Hearts. Hearts, of course, at 12 points clear of both Wraith and Dunfermline um, at the weekend. However, there is still a game for Dunfermline and for Wraith because they take on each other on Wednesday night at East End Park. So by the time you listen to this, they might already have played, but they will certainly have played before Hearts play Air United on Friday. So it could well be um, a nine-point gap or the, the gap could be down to 11. We don't know yet, but either way, they'll obviously still be top. Um, Arbroath host Inverness as well, although as things stand, that is more important to the bottom places of the table. Um, this could be a tough one, though, because uh, Air United, although they lost 5-3 at Tank Castle on Boxing Day in a, um, a eight-goal thriller, a very open game, a game full of poor defending, unfortunately, as well. They haven't lost at home all season, and not since February last year. So, this is a game, Mark, where Hearts have come unstuck, this type of game, um, mm-hmm. in recent times. So, it's a game that we can't take lightly. Remember, they were 2-1 up at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. So, there's goals in their team. I think they got four last week against Aloha. So... <laughs> Given that we've just spoken earlier about Craig Gordon having just become the first Hearts goalkeeper since December 2018 to keep clean sheets in back-to-back league games, I actually do not have the stat. You can you can do oh, some three work. Can you, three consecutive league games. You, you can Christ, do that. I'll probably be that um, 
You remember that run we had uh, when not after not long after Levine first came back, where we went eight games without conceding a goal, and would have been would have been McLaughlin at that point. Mm-hmm. Would it still been McLaughlin? Yeah, it would have been. Possibly that. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. I've not I've not actually looked. Maybe, but I think if we keep a clean sheet, I think we win because I think there's goals in this Hearts team. You would hope. I'm not so, start. Yeah. I'm not starting McInnes. Um, non is it time? Is it time for for him and um, him and Boyce, or are we settled in on our kind of two wide, two mids, and a number ten behind a striker? Hard to say. It really depends um, how Robbie wants to start the game. I have a feeling he won't want to mix things up too much. The problem is, if you play Nongtuye and Boyce, you really have to go to a four four two. Yeah, you do. Um, because I think it's a waste dropping Boyce into a, a deeper role, you know, behind him. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've been trying to come up with a formation in the last two or three weeks that would see us play with two up top and a ten. The only kind of way to to, to do that, you could play a diamond. Yeah, I was going to say, and we, we in a four, or you could play three at the back and. Uh, have a three four one two or a three four two one. But what you could do is uh, a few people called it the diamond. I still think it was more of a four one three two. We played it against Hibs when we adjusted the formation, if you remember, and we did play it in at least one other game, and I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, who's your holder? Um, <laughs> it's tricky because you can play Irving there, but he's not a defensive holder. He's a creative no. holder. So yeah, and Haring, him, I, I don't know if Haring is um, is he currently fit um, because he's not playing at the moment. So I don't know. That's a good. It's a very good question, and I don't have um, an answer. If you play that formation, I don't know where you fit Irving into the four-one-three-two because you you could play him in the middle of that three, I suppose, but. I just think we get more from Boyce as, as with Nondo. I'd love to see the pair of them together from the start because we've, we've seen glimpses of them um, together uh, when change when uh, Armand's come on. So, yeah, I, I, I've seen air as much as most Hearts fans, I would imagine, and unless there are those that watch them on a Friday night if they're on um, the BBC Scotland channel like we are this week. So, my my knowledge of air is, is the five three viewing where they cause problems. Mm-hmm. They're not a bad side, but I'd be I'd be disappointed if Hearts don't win this one. Oh yeah, without a doubt. But can't take them. Zanata lightly. to get the winning goal or something. Uh, yeah. Is he still there? He is, yes. Um, as far as I'm aware, unless they did some late transfer business that I've not looked at. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll hopefully Hearts will continue um where they left off against Dunfermline, albeit it wasn't the best game in the world, and can get a victory at Somerset to give Air their first home defeat in almost a year. Uh, incidentally, before we go, just to say, I, I was correct, it looks like. The last time we had three consecutive league clean sheets was that spell under Levine when we had a record-breaking eight without conceding a goal, um, which would have been the winter of 2017-2018 where we beat... Motherwell 1-0, Dundee 2-0, Celtic 4-0, we drew St. Johnston, Hibs and Aberdeen 0-0. Then after the winter break, we beat Hibs 1-0 in the Cup and we drew, uh, sorry, we beat then Hamilton 3-0 
at New Douglas before. Motherwell ended it with an injury time equaliser at Tynecastle, thanks to Curtis Main. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Full of useless information on his show. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week to discuss the uh, Air United Hearts game. We will also touch on the homework. So just to reiterate, it's going to run over for another week. So um, what Mark asked you was, give us the uh, your scenario for what Scottish football and what Hearts look like in 2046-47. So 25 years from now, what will have happened in the interim? Um, where will Hearts be? What will the club look like? What will Scottish football as a whole look like? Um, have some fun with it if you wish and email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or tweet us at Around the Funnel. And, Mark, I don't think it will just be us two again next week, will it? We have a special guest, and, and I wonder if in 25 years' time, our special guest will still be the voice of hearts. Scott Wilson, um, I'm delighted to say, will be joining us next week, and he'll be able to tell us about what life is like with no fans in attendance, but a DJ still required <laughs> because a manager wants certain tunes played. What tunes are they? What's Scott's favourite? And why does he play some some of the tunes that he does? Um, massive Hearts fan, former colleague of mine at Radio 4, one of the best guys I've met, um, and he joins us next week. Yes, so we will um, we'll have some fun with it. I'm sure you'll have some good stories. And as you know, you know Scott Wilson will be very entertaining, whatever, because it's part of his job, isn't it? Um, it should be fun. Uh, thank you for joining again this week, and we will see you very soon. Jamie, Jamie, I'm so glad you're mine. So we'll be together a long Faxing you now, who's dialing your car phone? Please, please, bitch, you know that I trust you. Do that which you must do. When I was down, you came to me and promised to always be. 